meeting is being recorded. <laughs> so uh, good morning, everyone. We're going to be talking about letting go of Moses and embracing Jesus Christ. That's our message this morning. Some of you I reached out to pers personally, and I asked you to be here because I feel like this is one of our um, core, 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 core areas of um, the Scribal Conservatory and what God has us doing and also where we are going. We've had some exciting times over the last um, few weeks. We've done a lot of healing and I believe we're gonna continue to move in the healing realm. I don't know how long, but I believe this is a part of it. Now, I always try to do this. We can go to the next slide, but I always try to do this because I want you to know that I'm not, and this time I honest to God, listen, you guys, I am, this is totally what God has given me for the conservatory, but I wanna do this because I'm using a lot of images this morning. And so the images are gonna come from Canva, which is where this presentation is. Also, I purchased my images from deposit videos and also some are in public domain. So I always like to honor that because I'm a scribe. So we're gonna move forward to the next slide. I'm really, really, really excited about teaching, letting go of Moses and embracing Jesus Christ. And um, reminders, I just want you to know that our focus is on correcting doctrine. That's what apostles do. Real apostles deal with doctrine. They know where they're going. They're not indecisive about their purpose. They know what the pillars are that they stand on. They can stand as a cornerstone in the area, not like Jesus, but in the area where God has appointed them. Listen, the, the purpose of this is not to correct the doctrine of other people. That's not why we're doing this teaching. This is for us. This is for what God has given us and for where we're going. So I wanna make sure that that's how we're viewing this. Um, it's not about attacking others, even though I'm going to be addressing things that we see, people are where they are. Let's just say that together. People are where they are and they are where they are and they are where they are. And until we come into greater knowledge, we're gonna be where we are, right? That's all of us, myself included. I wanna remind us that our focus is continuing our mission toward maturity or fullness. You know that we see those things as the same thing in the scribal conservatory. We also understand the mind of Christ to be the mind of God. And we know that full measure is making sure that we're able to walk in the mind of Christ, making sure that we're nurturing that part of us that is apostolic. So all of us are apostolic. We're all supposed to be apostolic. That's not the same as the office of the apostle, two different things. But we're talking about thinking like Christ, walking out likeness and image. Also, I want to remind you that our focus is about transforming the mind, which is how we transform nations. So that's Romans 12 and two, that's one of our pillars. It's also about elevating Christ eternally above people. That's one of our pillars. It's also about reinforcing covenant by leading and directing, by the leading and directing of Holy Spirit. That's also Hebrew eight and six, which is one of our pillars. And reinforcing covenant meaning means reinforcing the contract that Christ made with God, correct? So that's what we're talking about. So we're talking about how can I teach everything that I teach, everything that I do has to be pointed on reinforcing our contract 
the contract that God made with Jesus that we have been blessed to enter into. And it becomes ours by saying yes to God. Finally, I want you to know that I always want you to be in a place of having Christ revealed to you. Not Moses revealed, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, but Christ revealed. They are all dead. Can you agree with me that they are dead? Can you agree with me that any anointings that they have are all encompassed in Jesus? Can you agree with me on that? This is very important. Very, very, very important. We have to understand that anyone before Jesus is not as great as Jesus. Can you agree? All right, so let's go on to the next slide. <laughs> I want us to kind of look at um, Hebrews, I guess Hebrews 3, 3 through 7, if you have your Bibles, and I still do paper Bibles because I'm finding that people need as few distractions as possible to study. So because of that, I strongly encourage you to pick up a really nice New King James Bible for study. A really nice New King James Bible for study. That doesn't mean you can't read from your other Bibles. But for study, we need Bibles that we can actually trace back to the vines, trace back to the strongs, trace back to other Bible tools that have been built for us. You can't do that with the message Bible. You can't do that with the mirror. You can't, you can't. Those things, you can't find the original word meanings, Greek and Hebrew by reading the message. So when, we, when it comes to study, I want us to always hold a new King James version of the Bible in our hands so that we can get those meanings of words and things like that. But as we look at letting go of Moses and embracing Jesus Christ, we're going to start with one of our pillars. And this scripture says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as the apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. We all know this, but today I want us to look at this a little bit differently. I want you to recognize with your whole heart and with everything in you that there is no one in heaven or on earth that has ever lived, that ever will live, or that ever will be that is greater than Jesus. No one. Absolutely no one. Jesus over Abraham. Jesus over Isaac. Jesus over Isaiah. Jesus over Samuel. Jesus over Miriam. Jesus over um, Paul and Peter and John. Jesus is the greatest of them all. We have to get this because we have a lot of believers today practicing Judaism. And we want to make absolutely sure that we are not found among them. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about seeing and experiencing the revealing of Jesus Christ. Right? 
The scripture says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. This is so important, so very important. I wanna ask you a question today before we go any further, not the answer now, don't answer in chat in this moment. But the question is, um, who, you know, who is the builder of your house? That's the first question I want you to answer. Who is the builder of your house? Because a lot of us are still eating that golden corral spiritually. You know, we get a little bit of this, we taste a little bit of that. We have no consistency in our spiritual food. Yet we are confused. We don't know our calling. We are still in baby emotions. Um, we are still hanging up on having a mommy and a daddy that we can crawl in the lap of and cry a river. We are st we're still doing all of these things without understanding that the end game or the intention of Christ is his mind. It's his spiritual likeness and image. Not just his works in the earth, but understanding that he's spirit too and that we have to meet him there. So I'm asking you who's building your house? Books, a thousand books, a thousand perspectives. You know, who is building your house? This is an honest question. I'm not asking you to answer that. It's really none of my business. It is my business for those that I am leading personally, but it's not my business for anyone who may listen to this out of the blue because we've been building for a long time to the revelation we have right now and that we're walking through. I always tell you that it's not, I'm not speaking to the world, I'm speaking to those that God has assigned me. Why? Because in Jesus's last prayer, he was really clear, I pray for those who you have given me. And for those of us in the earth, we have to sometimes look like that when it comes to what we've been put in charge over and what we have been um, given. You know, and then later on in that prayer, he says also for those to come. So I'm also teaching for those that you're going to impact, right? Through the measure that I have given. So that goes for you and those that you lead and that goes for me in this space. That's why I gave you those points in the beginning because I'm not fighting with anyone. <laughs> you know, what we do in the conservatory is about what we believe. It's not about what everybody else believes or even what everybody else is doing. But I am concerned, as Paul said, you know, if I'm an apostle to no one else, I should be one to you. You should know and remember what I have taught you. So that is where my messages are coming from in this hour. I don't debate people. I don't care if people's doctrines have changed. I'm only concerned with those that are concerned with what we're doing in the conservatory, that's apostolic, that's apostolic. When you have a people, you don't have to try to reach all the people. <laughs> you don't have to be shouting in the wind, hoping somebody gets it. But here we are, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. The question is, who is building your house? Oh my goodness, who is building your house? This is not the theme of the message, but it is a question that I challenge you to ask. 
because we never outgrow leadership. You never outgrow being led. Nobody does, unless you're Jesus. <laughs> and I don't see Jesus manifesting in that way in the earth again. <laughs> we have to meet him as he is in our own house and in the spirit. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. So if Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, that future was speaking of Christ. Very important. Very, very important. I'm the product of my mentor. So you're gonna hear a lot of what my mentor teaches because it's not just something I heard, it's something that's been infused into who I am. That's what impartation does. So I should sound like her when I teach. You should hear her, but it's my own also. You follow what I'm saying? So I want you to know that. And I honor her whenever I teach. And so I wanna be sure that we are, are in that place in understanding that uh, Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. So if, again, if Christ is the son over God's house and he is also who was spoken by God in the future, Christ is our future. Every day Christ is our future, not just fulfilled prophecy, but our future every day. You know, one of the most profound teachings I ever heard came from um, Apostle Mark Sharona. I had the privilege of meeting and talking with him a few years back. And I just want to tell you, he always talks about God's future past. I don't know him. I just happened to have that encounter. And I heard him teach and was in the presence of that. And I came away with something so profound about how we're living in God's future past. And I just kind of explained that concept to you by saying that, you know, bearing witness to what would, would be spoken by God in the future, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house today. So we're living in the future that was spoken of, but Christ is our future now, even though he is with us. So in a nutshell, that's how you can interpret and see that. So I want you to go on with me as we say, and we are his house. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We are his house. This is not the house of Moses. This is not the house of Esther. This is not the house of Jeremiah. This is not the house of Miriam. This is not the house of Samuel. This is not the house of Malachi. This is not the house of John the Mercer. Isn't you follow? We are the house of Jesus Christ. Wow. Of the future and of the future to come. Need you to hold on to that. Not the past. 
listen, are we the house of the past or the house of right now or the house of to come? All right, so we are his house. Listen, if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. What in the world does that mean? It's real simple. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory in our houses. We have to hold on to something so very simple that Jesus has made us complete. That everything we need is in Jesus. Are you all tracking? All right, this is not that this is not that complicated. It's a really simple teaching, but it does require us to shift some thinking and shift our mind because if we live our lives relaying everything back to the old covenant, I'm, I'm challenging you with the love of God, the love of God to understand that you're holding on to something in the past. And if you're holding on to something in the past, you're missing something in your now and in your future. This is a message of love. If in your mind, you're fighting this already, well, God gave me this, you're not listening. And right now I'm asking you to hear and to listen. Somebody's got to move on. And I hope that it can be the conservatory. Some of us have made pillars and mountains out of things that Christ has fulfilled and completed and has shifted us into this place right now. You know, Jesus is the word. The word has not passed. I always tell people, don't tell me you are in a prophet, you're a prophet and you're an apostle and you don't know the word. I'm talking the pages you flip with that paper Bible from cover to cover. Don't tell me that you are an apostle and you don't understand the logos of Jesus or the rhema of him, the past and the future and the future past. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is not an us and them message. This is not what everybody else is teaching. This is about you right now. And it's about me right now. It's about the conservatory and where we're going. Because if we can't see that Jesus really is the center, we're going to be like a whole lot of the Christians trying to be Levites. And Jesus never came through the Levitical order. The priesthood was long dead before Jesus came. He even had Aaron, the high priest, stripped his clothes before he died. He even told Joshua, no, let's see, he even told, yeah, he even told Joshua that Moses was dead. And then he began to prophesy through the prophets that he had a plan for a perfect intercessor, 
a perfect redeemer, a perfect person who would write on the hearts of men. He was already preparing them for the next level and the next place. And we have to be able to see this as we go forth and as we move forward, right? Are you with me? Are you with me? Oh my goodness, next slide. Ask yourself, what does this house look like to me? Remember, we are his house. If we keep saying, there's an anointing on me like Esther. God called me like Jeremiah. If we're continuing to do that, what is this house looking like? Because they were people appointed to die. They were people who didn't even carry an anointing on the inside of them. All they could do was have the spirit of God come upon them. They never experienced the fullness. Listen, I am convinced that a lot of people brag about their anointing and talk about what they perceive that they have because they keep looking backwards and trying to compare who they are with somebody who has come before. We do not discount Moses. The scripture in Hebrews 3 told us we celebrate him. It tells us we thank God for him. It tells us that they are worthy than greater honor, that they are worthy of great honor because of who they were and what they did for us. But listen, they were only types and shadows. Can you agree? Can you agree? Listen, I don't want you to be confused by what I'm saying. I wanna say, I thank God for those who are here that haven't been here before, but we've been building in this area for a long time. So there's an entire context that comes behind it. So it may be a little bit overwhelming if you haven't heard this before, but I can flip on any page on Facebook and I can tell you folks aren't teaching this. They still chasing Joshua and looking for a cave season and a wilderness. We don't teach that because we have an understanding of Jesus and who he is. That's not something Jesus promised us or that Jesus demonstrated. So we don't touch it. But that doesn't mean that we are laughing at other people and yelling at them and telling them what it is that they should believe. What we do is hold and covet in our heart what God has revealed to us. And our responsibility is to teach those we are leading and that we are influencing, right? And also sometimes we have to keep our ears out of those old stagnant places, right? So I'm gonna ask you, what does your house look like? I want you to put that in the chat. There's no right or wrong answer. This isn't a trick. This isn't meant to shame you. 
But I like to get you thinking. This gives us great conversation at the end. What does this house look like corporately? What does this house look like personally? It doesn't have to be a profound answer. <laughs> That's one of the best answers. <laughs> Ruba said, she said her house is being renovated. Thank you for the honesty. Renovations are in order. Ah, oh God, I love that. That's a teaching all by itself. This house is under renovation. Come on, Minister Veruva. What do I believe about who Jesus is and what he has done for me, for us? Because we have to be able to answer this out of one side of our mouth. We're saying we're set free and delivered out of the left side of our mouth. We're living like Levi. Something is wrong. And we have to figure out how to reconcile these two wars going on in our head concerning who Jesus is and what he has accomplished and what he has done. And listen, we have to be able to see that these are indeed two wars. I hope you can see that two places of reconciliation that needs to take place. In a sin conscious world, we only see war between good and evil. But in the heavenly realm, we see the war between the flesh of our thinking and the spirit of our thinking. And we have to reason with God to bring them both together. You see, it's easy to identify with David because the flesh looks like that. The flesh go through, the flesh suffer, the flesh wants what it wants. The flesh will go to any limb to accomplish his own desires. But to look on the other side, and it's not even the devil. The Bible said, that, um, Paul said his, he wars against himself. He talks about how he longed to do right. But every time he got ready to do right, it looked like the wrong thing was coming after him. The real battle for the house is for God to be the ruler of it. Mm. There's a point to this, I promise. Here we go. What do I believe about who Jesus is in my house? In the corporate house? What do I believe about what he has done for me? Because again, we have a war of works and a war of spirit. If I just fast five more days, but the spirit says, if you can believe me right now for that, I can do it. And then you have the whole camp of people who said, it works for me. That's futile thinking, tradition, religion. Yeah, God is so humble that he'll let you get your five to seven days in and still bless you. But the spirit says, listen, if I can move right now and believe that God can do it, if I can have faith to move mountains, I'm going to believe that God can move the mountain right now. I don't have to have five to seven days of fasting for the mountain to move. Neither one is wrong. Are you following me? Neither position is incorrect. 
but one is better. And that's what the covenant of Jesus gives us. It gives us a better way. You can do that, but look, I'm just going to take the straight road and trust that Jesus got me. Well, I saw the devil over there and we got to pray and we got to rebuke and we, you can do that, but I'm going to trust that God told me to go this way because I heard him tell me to go. So I'm going to trust in the Lord and go as he makes my way straight, but you can't go. We got to bind the water devil. We got to bind the witch. We got, but I heard God say go. You do that, but I'm going to trust what I hear so I don't look like that foolish prophet. If you know the story in first Kings, I am going to take the better way because the Lord said he goes before me. I'm righteous. I'm holy. If I perish, I perish, but the Lord told me to go this way. You go get your prayer meeting and your camp together, but I'm just going to take this better way. I hope you hear me. You can do that. It's not wrong. It's just that some of us are not tarrying in that way because we have a revelation of Jesus Christ that has increased our faith and taken us to new levels and new heights and new bounds. And I would rather enter my faith than more works. Listen. I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. Because I believe you are healed. And I believe if God sends the word and you believe it, that you are healed. I believe that your situation is turning around. Does it have to sound like, does it have to do that in order for it to turn around? I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting you here and I'm putting this out here because I want us to think about what Jesus did, what he accomplished and what he's given us versus what people teach us to do. Because a lot of this elevates people. It doesn't elevate God. A lot of this gives people to say, I'm the super duper fly intercessor of all intercessors. Whereas the rest of us just end up in the hall of fame somewhere because we believe God. Mm. These are thoughts. Not begging anyone to believe me, but I am begging you and demanding and pushing and admonishing you to believe Jesus. Next slide. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So now he's made his household in us. And now we're a part of his household. 
Remember what we talked about with eternal life last week? This part should really make sense. Because if we understand eternal life from the correct perspective, oh my goodness, we understand what household is really telling us. It's bringing us into a deeper revelation of koinonia, of oneness. Oh my goodness. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. I'm not acting like an outsider in the kingdom of God, but many of us are outsiders and we're acting like outsiders because we don't want to embrace what he's done. We can't reconcile the old with the new. We can't, you know, people are always saying he's get, doing a new thing. Well, why are we hearing new revelation? Why aren't we getting insight that points to Christ? and away from people? Why are we not being rooted in places of faith that reigns it in and forces the mind of Christ to rise up in you? Why aren't we crushing all understanding for the new day that we are in? Oh my gosh, we're too busy being sin conscious instead of Christ conscious. One thing that we understand within the conservatory that if you can get a person to believe God with everything in them, if you can get him to pursue them, you don't really have to teach about sin because the stuff will start falling off like fire all around them. We've seen it. And all you have to do is guide and direct. My God. You do what the apostle Paul did in his congregation. We do what we see Peter, James, and John do and what Stephen did. All they did was teach people Jesus and the folks just ran like they were crazy into truth, into spiritual growth. They were discipled by the teams that they sent out and they just became, 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 became mature. Oh my goodness. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone, my God. Now, all of these apostles and prophets that, have come, that are coming, that came after and that Christ had already foreseen because there were no apostles before that moment, before the cornerstone. Jesus hadn't even become the full cornerstone yet when he said, when this was at that time, because he was still building on Peter, right? On this rock, I will build my church. But just think about this. He was already positioning himself as the greatest apostle, as the greatest prophet to ever walk the earth. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, the superior one, the supreme of everything. I'm not using a new age term, just the English word supreme. We don't need to be reading crazy stuff into stuff that don't matter. Just me, a, a word that means the highest. Verse 21, it says, in him, the whole building is joined together. 
Wow. So this cornerstone that became Jesus also has joined everything together and it rose to become the holy temple of the Lord. Oh my goodness. But guess what? This house is in you. Don't forget that. Because, and we are in the household. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Did we not experience that at the Heart Bending Mentorship Conference? It was crazy, the magnitude of the spiritual release at that conference. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that in my life. And our closeness. Oh my God. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Oh, next, next slide. We are supposed to be where he is, not where he was or would be. We are supposed to be where he is. Where he was 10 minutes ago when I started teaching, we're not there more. We're in a new place. Are you kind of following that? We're always growing. We're always moving. John 14, 3, 4, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. Let me tell you, everyone that was with Jesus then and since are where he is if they belong to him. What? What do I mean? They're in him, living and moving and having their being. How can I say that? Because they inherited eternity. So any anointing all of those people had, guess where it is? Thank you. <laughs> it went back where it came from because it's in Jesus. It didn't come from Jesus, but it did because the book of, I uh, think it may be 1 John, we'll get there. But the, the, the one of the Johns, either John 1, 2, or 3, or the Gospel of John, one of them says very clearly, no, it might be the book of Colossians. It said Colossians 1, that's where it is. It says that everything that was ever made, guess what, was made by Jesus. It's so wild. Why? Because Jesus is the word. So everything that God spoke, he spoke to life through Christ by default, including all of humanity. Let us make man. That was the work of Christ. But you have to study to understand that part. You have to be a good student of the word to put those pieces together, but it's a profound study. John 14, 3, that's 4. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence. The moment you said yes, that part took place. <sighs> the indwelling. You became the house. You entered your room. You entered the space made for you. But he's going to come again for a final time. We believe that, right? This isn't the end. This earth and the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There will be a day when there will be no crying, no more death, no more tears. We're awaiting that moment 
for all eternity, for all of us, right? So that's another place of, of, of travel in the realm of the spirit that we have to get. But the significance here is that we don't have to wait for it. That's why we taught about eternal life last week, because we have a lot of people waiting on the bye and bye. And I'm just saying bye. <laughs> because I want to have an eternal peace within me. I want to know him and to make him known on the inside. Next slide. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We about to wrap up. So Jesus Christ is truth and life, the door to the Father. John 14, 6 tells us that. It's a, these are not made up words. These are things exactly as they are in the scripture, just paraphrased and shortened. And I got these scriptures here. You can screenshot them with your phone. You can, well, you have them on the, um, on what I just sent you. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to read this. I may have it already, but I want to thank you, Veruva. She wrote Colossians 1, 16 through 20. For him, by all things were created that are in heaven and they are, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. I want you all to hear that, all the stuff we be Yabba shining about. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things that he may have preeminence. There is no one in the earth greater than God. There was no one that existed before him, that will exist after him. There was no one we will emulate more. The only thing we get from the past are examples, types, and shadows. Everything, festivals and feasts can be explained through the resurrected life of Jesus Christ if we would dare stop looking backwards and move forward to reconcile those things in our understanding. Jesus Christ is truth and life, the door to the Father, the steward of all power in heaven and on earth, the anointed one, not a anointed one like people. The only thing we can say about all these people who came before is that they were anointed, but they were not the anointed one. We can say they had some profound anointings and releases. They could see, the prophets could prophesy, they were accurate, they were detailed, but they were not as detailed as Jesus Christ. And we can also say that the release that God gave us today should be greater because he declared that we should do greater works. But we got people prophesying, I heard God say you are blessed. And I'm saying you've got to have more for me than that. Oh my God. But because we don't know Christ, we want titles. We got people saying they're prophets and they can't prophesy anything but the things of this world. There was not a prophet in scripture who prophesied cars, chariots, horses. Let's just say that. There were no chariot and horses prophets in the Bible. I'm sorry. He did prophesy to Solomon. Solomon, I'm going to give you the wisdom of the world. You'll have wealth beyond compare. He did that. But the context of it makes a difference. 
Oh my God. Holding all things handed over to him. Oh my God, Jesus Christ is holding all things handed over to him. Somebody post Matthew eleven twenty seven. Just post that scripture. Somebody else post um, John three thirty five for me. This is just amazing. Post it in the chat. I want you guys to just think about this. We've got to put these probably because see what people have done is created a strong familiar spirit in the midst of their relationships that mimic the anointing. They've taken on characteristics of people, flesh identities that look like God, where they confuse the things of the spirit with the things of God. Oh my goodness. And when you have a bunch of people like this in the same environment, it looks like the anointing. Check it out. I promise you I'm not making it up. You got people start looking alike. Strangely looking alike. Not, not picking at people. This is not about that. This is a sad situation. Matthew, Matthew 11, 27, it says this. Um, it says this. All things have been delivered to me, this is Jesus, by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one whom the Son, will the Son wills to reveal him. Uh, any revealing of Christ is the work of prophecy. That's why the scripture says Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. We skip that in them prophet classes. Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one whom the son wills to reveal him. And then it says, all things have been delivered. Oh my God. All things have been delivered to me by my father. Jesus holds all things handed over to him. If you go through some of these scriptures and see what he has been handed, it'll have you on your floor. I promise you, the enemy has nothing that belongs to you. What you going back for, I don't know. And I don't understand it because he does not have anything that you need. This is a new covenant. We've got to reconcile that in our thinking. Whoever's anointing you're chasing in the old covenant, it is limited. It did not start with the fullness of God. It did not end with the indwelling of God. Therefore, it has limitations. Any anointing that you have right now is the result of your relationship with Jesus Christ and it's uniquely yours. It's not about the cases and that somebody went through to get something. We don't want that. I want you to want what Jesus has for you. Oh my God, the only one who comes in the name above all names. 
Oh my God, somebody put Philippians 2 and 9 up there, please. Put that up there in a hurry. There was no other name. We sing things like that and don't even understand it. It's not that people are saying a name above name over Marduk or Zeus. It's not just the foreign gods, not the Hindu guys, not just that. We elevate people. We do it big time in the old covenant. And my God, we do it in the earth. We hear people, I had somebody, I'm not going to say that because this is going to go live. But listen, we have people elevating people, listen, that they worship. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Whoever you have worshiped, his name is exalted above that. Listen, I've told many people, I love you, but the minute you start worshiping me, you will not have access. I fear God too much to allow you to make me your God. You will be praying by yourself. It's the best thing that I can do for you. I have to answer to God for that. To God, not to you, to God. Oh my God. He's the only one who comes in the name above all names. He's the only one who can make us complete. There is no one in all the scriptures who can make us complete. Well, God can, well, God chose to designate Jesus as his person. Jesus is God's person. Yes, God can do it, but Jesus is his person. We saw last week in our teaching on eternal life, the scripture told us that we have to believe God and Jesus whom he sent. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I hope you're still with me. He's the one who was raised from the dead and raised us with him. Oh my God, did anybody in the old covenant do that for us? Did anybody other than Jesus in the new covenant do that for us? Is the worshiped apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher able to do that for us? Resurrection power was given to us through Jesus. Jesus said, if I do not go, the comforter cannot come. Holy Spirit cannot come. I cannot minister to the whole world if Holy Spirit does not come. I cannot be everywhere and be all things to all men if the Holy Spirit does not come. I still have to rely on people and their ability and their gifts. I can't, no, I'm ending all of that and I'm gonna send you the ultimate minister who is coming in my name and we're gonna live and dwell not only with you, but in you. And I'm gonna still make my presence in the earth and I'm gonna convict the world of sin while I'm using you to preach and teach and go forth in my name. I remember when I was in the world system, the Lord would say, don't go to that club. I didn't even know that was the Lord speaking. I'm just a sinner doing what I'm doing. And 
actions, not even recognizing it as the voice of the Lord. Being wooed and pulled and drawn the whole time. Wake up in the morning and people got shot up in the club that I was going to be at. Oh my God. See, God is gracious enough to have us involved in his plan and to use us, but he doesn't need us. <laughs> How amazingly gracious it is to hit for him to want us to be a part of him. But here we are deferring left and right to everybody else not using them as examples and patterns and methods and bringing all of these things into Jesus, but we stay there on altars and we worship them. Oh my God. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. Somebody posted that. I won't read it again, but it tells us he is the image of the invisible God. By him, all things were made in heaven and on earth, through him and for him and all held together. And these are the reasons why I get so upset when people start comparing themselves to the people of old and why I get sick and tired of people saying things like, I got to walk through this season. You know, the, the, the higher, the, the greater the devil, the bigger the elevation, or whatever that saying is, all this ridiculous stuff that's rooted in an old faith. <clears throat> Listen, I trust that God said that if you believe me, Teresa, and if you pursue me with all your heart, I will not withhold anything, any good thing from you. That, that's what the Bible that I read says. There is no prerequisite. I don't have to do anything but wake up and believe and pursue him with everything in me to get the portion that is for me. How can we shift our mind to know that he paid the price, that the cost went on the cross, that all of the, the, the libations and all of the sacrifices, and what is it going to take for us to believe Jesus? Lord, I wanna be like you. Lord God, I, I want the anointings you have for me. Father, I see what you've put on the inside of me. Make it new, develop it, cause it to be unlike anything those who need me have ever seen. Father, I want to be the best of what you put in my hand. Lord, I thank you that it looks a lot like David, my dream realm. I'm going to dream, Lord, and I'm gonna look at the example he set, but I want to know you, Christ, as the dreamer. Elevate my understanding beyond what Daniel experienced. Elevate my worship, God, beyond what, what David experienced. Elevate a righteous warfare in the way that Jesus exhibited. If Jesus could come face to face with, with the adversary, knowing that he had all power and authority over the adversary, if he knew that they were not equals or, or that he had no reason to be feared, I could just say like Jesus said, it is written. I want to live like that in my heart and in my mind. I want to grow to that level of faith. I count it not evil to believe you that way in Jesus' name. It's not evil to believe God in his simplicity. 
We want to be like children in Jesus' name. Next slide. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you will know the hope of your calling. What a powerful thing for Paul to say. He said, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which is brought about in Christ. The hope of my calling is brought about in Christ. Oh, the hope of my call. So I don't have to have a deliverance ministry like Moses. Because the hope of my calling is in Christ. I can have a root, a ministry developed in him where the enemy is under my feet and where I know it and live like he is. Oh, there's somebody will get that next week. And I just say that because it takes a lot to dismantle that. And we've done that. We have teachings. But when he raised him from the dead, oh my God, we're resurrected with him and seating him at his right hand in heavenly places. Either that's a lie or it's the truth. I'm asking you to decide. I'm asking you to decide if it's a lie or if it's the truth. We're talking about Jesus. Don't interject with but Moses, with but Aaron, with but Abraham, with but Isaac, but with Jacob. Don't interject with what Jesus. Listen. Either we were all raised from the dead already and we're seated with him in heavenly places or we don't believe it. Far above. We're with him now. But this is what he, he's seated in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Oh my God, past, present, and future. Everything collides in Christ. If we could just see that everything we need is in him. The scripture, I didn't put it here, but it says all things are made complete in him. We have so many holes. We're still trying to be gap dwellers and gap fillers and doesn't make any sense. Not about anybody. But Jesus doesn't teach that because the scripture understands that he filled the gap for us. And our only requirement is to enter in. See, when we teach like this, it starts dismantling all the things that men have touched. And it's heavy and it's hard. But I challenge you, know your word for yourself. Don't say it because I'm teaching it. 
Study Jesus and study Jesus alone. Don't compare Jesus to Moses because there's no comparison. Don't compare Jesus to David because there's no comparison. Don't compare Jesus to Miriam because there's no comparison. Don't compare Jesus to the prophet Jeremiah because there's no comparison. Don't compare Jesus to Ezekiel because there's no comparison. They are all dead. And anyone who was of that time are in Christ now. Oh my God. I understand the principles of these things. I want to make that very clear. I understand the good that we can learn from the lessons of Miriam and Abram. I understand the things that we can get from seeing Jeremiah as a prophet and how we can learn uh, from how that looked on earth. I'm not knocking any of those things, but when we make them gods, when we make them doctrine, that is when we err. Are we understanding this part? That is my clarification for those who will leave this teaching and try to rip it apart. I want you to understand that we err when we make them the standard. Humanity is not the standard for Jesus. The spirit of the living God is. That's why the Bible says, why many of the patriarchs and matriarchs, meaning the people of prominence and position, not the systems. When we say this, this is why we say things like, or we hear them say things like, follow me as I follow Christ. This is why Jesus is always reminding us he's the author and finisher of our faith. This is why the scripture reminds us that there's only one that can, that can, tear, upon, that can tear asunder soul and spirit, dividing it. No human being has that kind of power. And listen, the anointing of the person next to you is not better than the anointing on your life. One thing that I thank God for, one of the first things that my own mentor taught me was that they're not, you know, your anointing is yours and, and, and who you are and how God uses you with your, is yours. Legitimately but it doesn't make you better. There are differences of administration in our callings. There are different assignments. And in the eyes of humans, we have made some assignments greater. For example, the commander in chief of the United States. That is a unique office. Only one person can hold that office at, at a time. You can't be mad because that's that person's position, right? Can't be jealous because that's where they're sitting, but that's their destiny. That's their purpose. But listen, they're not more important than you in the kingdom of heaven. You don't need to be saying stuff like, you can't have this anointing because you haven't gone through what I've been through. Well, if you are in the time of David, that might be true. 
But in the time of Jesus, none of that matters. You don't have to suffer to be used by God. You might learn some things from your suffering that might elevate your mind into the apostolic realm and allow you to access some understanding, wisdom, and insight that you didn't have before. But it does not make you better, and it is not a prerequisite for the anointing. How do I know? Because Jesus lived on this earth and he never sinned. Because the father told him before he ever did a single thing or suffered anything of his own that he was pleased with him. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jesus proved that by himself. Alone, with no help from anybody. Jesus' life speak. Jesus went to, um, was caught up in um, before the adversary. And look, he just said, hey, it's written. You ain't gonna, yeah, I ain't eating nothing. I'm fasting, but hey, you have no power over me. I'm not afraid. I have no fear. I just believe God. That's likeness, that's image, that's what we want. Oh my God. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, but the very people who are in him, who live and who have their being don't understand that. And they don't live like it. And they gave him his head over all things to the church, but we don't live like it. I was a part of a church years ago. They had about five people, you know, and every Sunday they were warring against their enemies. And one day I realized nobody even knows you exist. Nobody knows any of us are here. And then I just started thinking, who are we fighting? Are we fighting each other? Because we're the only ones that know. What is all these devils you're after? Who, what are you seeing? Why are you able to access this realm? Because, and that's, that was when the Lord began to, to show me how people can cross into things or cross into realms that are really not designated for them. What you open the door to, you end up allowing and accessing. Oh, that's another story. My point is simply that we have to begin to not elevate ourselves above God and think more highly of ourselves than we ought, even in the midst of all the things that we do. Some of our attacks are choices, the consequences of choices we made, decisions that are playing out because somebody else did something and we just, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. We just got caught up in it because somebody else did something. If somebody gambled away your house and you didn't know it, guess what? You going down with the dead. And you know, it's not always the devil or the people choose things. And one thing I love about the conservatory is that we distinguish between people's willful choices what is really the devil, and then the things of God. 
we have to make those distinctions or we'll be forever on that mountain just like the children of Israel. The next slide. While we honor the life of God in the matriarchs and patriarchs, this is it, we're at the end, former and current heads of our tribes in scripture, they were only symbols, types, and shadows of the promised fullness. Are you understanding this part today? They did not contain the covenant of Jesus, but reflected on the hope of it. The old covenant, you see a whole lot of people waiting to be delivered. You see a whole lot of people searching and looking for a savior. In the new covenant, the savior has come. And it's about recognizing the savior, entering into the salvation, receiving the covenant that was made, living in the abundance and the fullness of the treasure that was given to us. We understand that in the old covenant, I have a chart on my website that, that has the old covenant versus the new covenant um, on it. I need to add to that. It's extensive now. I'm going to update it. But if somebody finds that, it's just a chart of um, comparing the old covenant to the new covenant, the Chamber of the Scribe website, blogs.chamberdescribe.something. But their victories and freedoms, their trials and tribulations had different spiritual contexts. We don't often consider that in light of what they had access to. In the old covenant, there was no indwelling of the spirit. The spirit did not tarry with them from day to day. They followed clouds in the sky. Cloud by day, cloud by night. They had smoke and altars. Our altars and smoke and incense and all of that is on the inside of us now. We have way more than what they had. So their patterns, their victories, their freedoms, their trials, their tribulations need the context. We know that it was all good the way God dealt with them. There are lessons we can learn, but those lessons must be pressed under Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I just... If we can just see how much of the old covenant we teach, and if we could just lay Jesus over it. There was a time when we prayed, scatter my enemies. Jesus said, no need to pray that anymore because I've died for everyone. And it's my father's desire that no one should perish. So now with the compassion in which I died and the words in which I declared, forgive them for they know not what they do, which was a new covenant declaration and a promise of the resurrection. I pray, forgive my enemies, Lord. Forgive those who wrongly use me. Forgive those who persecute me. God save them deliver them from the fire that's how we do it in the new covenant there were no contradictions there was the elevation of grace the elevation of mercy and a cry for us to be like Jesus like, like the adversary said why don't you call down angels and Jesus was like I could do that but if I do that, where would be the lesson in this? Where would be the sacrifice? Oh my God, oh my God. 
Their anointings and callings had limitations. Their victories, freedoms, trials, tribulations had different spiritual contexts. They had to work for their oil. They had to work for visitation. They had to pick flies out of the anointing. I mean, Jesus picked out every fly. He, he eliminated the criteria. I don't have to go through a 40-day consecration anymore because the scripture tells me that my word has made you clean. Somebody post that scripture passage for me so people will see it. I hope you read that whole chapter. You mean God, your word made me clean? Yes, Teresa. Yes, Teresa. When on that day when you were about to take your life and I sent that person to intervene for you and you're about to create a, just a, a chaotic situation, you didn't even know me, but I had someone that I showed you to and they showed up when you weren't even looking. You were dressed right. You were, you were in the workplace. You were in the boardroom and they came into that meeting and they confirmed confronted you with your bad thinking and you had never had a conversation with them in your life and they saw it because I revealed it to them oh my god oh my god I didn't have to work for that you didn't have to work for your salvation and you don't have to work for your oil this is not the old covenant, it's a new covenant. Through the resurrection, we received a triumphant entry. You know, we hear them shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, when we talk, when they talk about Jesus entering into the city and how the, listen, we, they were all entering that triumphant entry with him and they didn't even know it. That celebration, that place of praise, that place of worship that we have today, every time we do this, it's just not defeating the enemy with our praise. It's a triumphant entry because we are victorious. It's acknowledging the victory, the price that has been paid, the cost, the promise of eternal life. John 15 and three, thank you, Christina. Somebody could put that scripture in there, the whole scripture. She said it's John 15 and three. And then the last slide and we're done. I know I've taken my time today. I do not want and refuse to receive. And I want you all to just say this with me from where you are. I do not want and I refuse to receive the anointing of Moses, the deliverer, David, the worshiper and man of war, Esther, the traffic queen, without elevating a revelation of Christ in their midst or moving from their limitations. I do not want and I refuse to receive that we cannot have new wine by looking for revelation only in the old wine Levitical model that took us through the seasons of people, of humans. We have the time of Christ in us. We have eternity on the inside. We cannot continue to follow feasts and festivals, but fail to see the feasts and festivals fulfilled in Christ. We need to move from that revelation and move in that revelation. We cannot continue to teach, speak, fight, pray, and war from a place of fear. I want you to hear me 
Jesus never prayed in war and, and fought in war because he thought the enemy was going to get him. He always knew the enemy would never get him. I know I'm paraphrasing. Or belief that the enemy has power over the saint or that there is equality with good and evil for a believer. There is no equality between good and evil because people who are in God only have the goodness of God. They only have the taste and see that God is good. We have access to that. Next slide. We have a new contract. Are you guys signing the contract for real today? Listen, the contract was between Jesus and God. We're just benefactors. We need to see that the contract is already sealed. Next slide. We're not going to go through that. We've already talked about it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One thing. I want to go, go here. Verse 13. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Oh, my goodness. See, the, in the old covenant, they had debt. In the new covenant, we're debt free. Which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And listen, he has disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Here comes down those traditions and taboos or with regard to religious festivals, people trying to make you worship something or do something between a particular week, call Jesus a particular name, all the other stuff people do. Jesus knows his name, I promise you. A new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. But the reality, however, is found in Christ. Can you guys see that? Were. Read the book of Colossians, the whole book. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. When you study that, that's people who are always grouping devils and demons. People who are always trying to make you believe you got to go to court in heaven. People who always want you to believe that God dwells in a system or, or um, seven mountains. Or Listen, read the book of Colossians. It will set you free from all of that. All of that. These are not my words. This is scripture. Nothing that I've shared with you today are my words. Paul said plainly, this is the gospel I preach to you. I expect conservators to remember the gospel that is preached to them, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel of men. Because remember, there were a whole bunch of people outside the church that Paul had telling them, you need to be circumcised. You're not really saved. You, need, you can't eat pork. You can't. I mean, my God. They missed the covenant. Were they saved? Sure they were, but they missed the covenant. They halfway believed in Jesus. They just believed you needed to do all the rituals too. 
Don't be mad because you don't, don't, don't feel out of place because you don't feel like engaging yourself in all that tiresome stuff. I'm going to go sleep. That's what I'm going to do. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. We know them kind of people. They have a thousand dreams and have a thousand dreams for years, but nothing in their lives move forward. They just dream and dream and see and see and see, and it's all futile. They are puffed up with idle notions, thinking they're spiritual, but the mind is really unspiritual. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? This is why the conservatory exists because we don't follow those rules. I want you free of people of sin, of falsehoods, of traditions. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It's amazing how this applies to stuff the church do. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Oh my God. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. I want you guys to see that. Some of the meanest people in the world are people who try to force you to hold these traditions and beliefs. They have no love and they will hate you, discredit you, shame your ministry, talk about you, but they don't know the heart and the ministry of the word because they don't know Jesus. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. That's why we see so many people falling. They want pity and understanding when they screw up, but they have none for you in your process. We won't be that way. Please read the book of Colossians. I've begged you for the last seven years. If you keep your mind on Colossians, if you listen to the Matthew 5 through 7, the chapters of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, if you read the words in red and meditate on the gospels in the book of John, and all I ask you to do is say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me, Christ over people. And I've asked you, give me a year if you're new. Get everybody else's ears, I mean mouth and lips out of your ears. Give me a year. 
you'll feel discombobulated. You might feel a bit uneasy. That's called a purge. That's a real purge, not throwing up in a bucket and blowing your nose. The real purge is going to disrupt your spirit because it's going to dismantle, start dismantling everything you believe. Then it's going to feel like you're under attack. And if you talk to the wrong person instead of the people around you trying to bring you out of darkness and light, they'll pull you away and make you think it's a spirit from this ministry when all it is is the dismantling of religion. It's taken 52 years for me to get messed up in the church. <laughs> I mean, from a child not being saved until now still coming out of stuff. But there is nothing wrong with taking the word at its word. When people are having Bible studies on the book of Leviticus, we in trouble. Because that's not life. That's the law of sin and death. We need to be studying the law of life, which is Jesus, and then being able to go back and read that and say, oh, this is how they did it then. This is why they did it. Oh, some of that was cultural. I get it now. But thank God I am saved and filled with Holy Spirit. Next slide. There are treasures in these earthen vessels. You can dig deep and uncover things you've never seen within yourself. Some of these jewels will share, but some of them are unique to you. And what we wanna do here is help you find not only what we share in community, but what you have individually. And one thing I can say about the conservatory, we've gotten to a point now where we see where we all fit. I look at Varuva and the way God is leading her and her ability to teach. And we're seeing how God is dealing with some stuff in us. We now know where Apostle Pam's vein is and how it flows within the community. We know where Sam stands and, you know, we know where Andrea stands. Those two are a lot like me. And, you know, you, you go into other areas in and out and you're like oh my god now that we're letting everybody teach now that they've been patient and their maturity have gotten to this point now we see what the scripture means when it says that we all are learning from each other and that all the gifts are in the house that, that that's what god wants oh man we minister dominique teaches and um, Prophet L.A. just rip us up from the gut. I mean, she just come in with all kind of bullets. Coming, but listen, that's the prophet. And I love it when she teaches and when Prophet Andrea teaches because you see what the office of the prophet looks like when it's free of people stuff and it's not getting people. You see the purity of Christ. And you also get to experience the ministry of prophecy in a pure place when there's no art against anyone. You get to see the apostolic because the apostolic is a straight line. I never deviate from the mission. All the years you guys have known me, I teach on four points. All the scriptures that God give me, I'm only on four points. And I can deviate if I wanted to because the apostolic is a straight line. You're clear. The apostolic isn't ambiguous. It's a straight line. 
prophetic is a huge circle. You're constantly circling. But that's the nature of the prophetic. But you need both. And when you look at it, you have a, what do you call those things where you shoot the arrow? A target. You have a target, which can be the prophetic, but the apostolic comes in for the center. It's just amazing. Amazing. And I always try to tell you guys that in the old covenant, they were prophetically led and apostolically directed. And the new covenant were apostolically directed through the mind of Christ and prophetically influenced. Because in the new covenant, we have a whole teaching on that. In the new covenant, we have to understand that with the whole idea is to give us the mind of Christ. So that requires us to think, to make choices, to have decisions, to reason, to choose because of what we have and what we've been given. And when we get a prophetic word that should influence our choices, it should influence, but it shouldn't necessarily direct us. It's very important. You have a lot of people in the body of Christ today that don't quit their job and suffering like all get out because they were not apostolically led. They followed the prophetic. But the builders of the house in the new covenant counted up the cost. In the old covenant, you just did what God said because you follow the cloud by day and the cloud by night. There is a difference between the old and new covenant. We have to use our mind. I even gave you the scripture, how the scripture says that we pray and think. That's not the only scripture that says that, but it says pray and consider. Pray and think too. Because sometimes the worst prophecy we can get is what we hear for ourselves. In the old covenant, the prophets received the whole counsel. In the new covenant, we prophesy in part. No one person has all of a prophetic word. And even the prophetic words you have for yourself need to be judged. I'm talking those heavyweight things because I have people say to me, Apostle, I'm ready to come off my job. I say, don't do it. Nothing in your life is lining up. Nothing. Nothing. I know it's hard, but the, the wisdom here and the apostolic here is to press through it because when you press through it, when you come out on the other side, you're going to know how to wait. And you're going to know how to recognize the signs of God to do that. Somebody need to hear that. Don't be, don't listen, don't be without wisdom. I'll just say that. <laughs> don't be without wisdom. I don't care how good it feels. Because if your emotions are guiding you, you're in trouble already. Don't make crazy decisions and then be in a difficult position expecting people to bail you out. Father, we just thank you for this evening. Final slide. We thank you for this evening, God. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for how you've led us today, Father. And we just believe your word is going to work. We just released healing of the mind over um, this group, Lord Jesus. We release um, just the, the clarity of thinking. Father, those who are hearing some of these things taught for the first time and that may not understand 
the backdrop of all of it, we just decree and declare by the power of the living God that you will give them the right spiritual digestion. Father, we thank you that we teach not to go run off and teach other people, Lord, but we teach to assimilate ourselves to your will and your way. And Lord, we want to be people that genuinely love you and that know what it means to lift you high up in our hearts and in our minds. Father, we want you to stand before any people in our lives. So I thank God for being a leader, but I am not God. And Father, none of the leaders here are God. You are the only true and living God. And Father, we thank you that we honor those who um, lead us, but we also thank you that we put all of those things in its proper place, that we are even mature in those areas in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that those who have listened today do not go away thinking that they have been beat up, but Father, I thank you that they walk away knowing, oh my goodness, I'm here to be free. I'm here to let go. I'm here to find some new intel and Lord, to see you more clearly. How can I be free? How can I move into what you have fulfilled, what you have done, what I'm supposed to receive, who you are, how I'm supposed to live? Jesus, just I make you the center because clearly after today, I can see that you are the center of everything that the kingdom depends on. And I'm talking about the kingdom within, not, not a system of buildings and denominations and things like that. We thank God for what they're doing, but we thank you, Father, for who you are in us. And we stand knowing that there is more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, guys.